Hello and welcome to Voices and Queries, the VNQ Books podcast. I'm Katie Derbyshire, publisher at VNQ Books. We publish remarkable writing from Germany, which means outstanding books originally written in German, but also in other languages spoken in the country. And our podcast is where we talk to our brilliant writers and translators about their work, their passions and pains, and of course their books. In this episode, you will hear Kate Ellis in conversation with the writer Ivana Zaiko. Kate's a writer and a small publisher currently working with us in Berlin. And Ivana is a Croatian writer who happens to be based in the city too. They're going to be talking about Love Novel, the winner of the HKW International Literature Prize. So now I'll hand over the virtual mic to Kate. Thank you, Katie. Um, I'm really excited to be talking to Ivana Saiko today, whose blistering book, Love Novel, is available now from all good bookshops. Love Novel is a portrait of love in late capitalism. It's written in ferocious, long sentences and uses language so raw the reader experiences the emotion of the characters along with them. Saiko's writing is uncompromising and true. Her characters are nameless. He is a Dante scholar trying to change the world and write his own novel, and she is a cynical actor who's now a full-time mother. We, the readers, watch them hurtle towards an emotional abyss. The writer Priya Basel calls it a brilliant novel, intense and poetic, exhilarating and devastating. We're on Zoom right now, and I'm talking from my room in Berlin. Ivana, where are you today? Oh, I'm also in my room in Berlin next to Kleispark, so we're in the same uh-huh. city. <laughs> Vice <laughs> Park to Kreuzberg today. Yeah. Um, we're going to hear you read from Love Novel now. Are you ready to set us up with the opening? Yes, I will, I will start from, from the start. So, words, words, words. He screamed at the top of his lungs the first thing that came to his mind when he finally managed to cut through her breathless sentences. He didn't even try to understand what she was actually saying. Her hot breath against his ear had woken him up with the irritating persistence of an alarm clock. And he wanted to crush it with his fist. So he roared, words, 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 like a man who couldn't bear the ringing anymore. Like a man who, to tell the truth, could no longer bear her nearness either her mouth, the hot steam it oozed. He roared with the force of a scorched man, as if she had burned him. And for a moment, she thought the roar would bring the walls down. So she cowered, covered her head with her hands, dig her fingers in her hair, and squeezed her eyes shut till it hurt, reacting like a typical female, typical by his standards meaning excessive, hysterical, and self-destructive, since she deliberately pulled her, <coughs> since she deliberately pulled her hair out, deliberately curled up in a pose of a crushed alarm clock, and forced, tear, and forced tears to her eyes, as if to take revenge on him with this classical scene of domestic violence. She staged it in a second lifting her weeping face towards him, towards the ceiling, towards the sky, and protecting herself with her fists full of tufts of pull-out hair. It didn't impress him. It didn't suit her either. 
she is capable of coming up with something far more disgusting. Just opening her mouth would do it, but he won't let her. He steers like a volcano, lava boiling in his cheeks. He raises his hand in a frenzy. He raises his hand. He raises his hand and he stops himself because the blow would hurt her more if it were shaped into a word, a horrendous and meaningless word that threshes in all directions and won't be drowned out. And so again he hollers, words, words, words. And indeed, words are now thundering around the room, thundering the whole flat, or to be more precise, the cramped two-room apartment they're renting at too high a price, so that most of their eruptions could be explained away by the fact they're once again late with the rent. Demoralizing but true. She had imagined them in the more relaxed circumstances and with much more floor space. Thank you so much, Ivana. That was a real treat. Uh, it's really good to hear it read out loud. And it's a shame almost that this is a podcast because your visual performance was also a treat. <laughs> I bet it was. <laughs> At just 112 pages, Love Novel is a very slender book. It's almost a novella, so it could possibly be absorbed in one sitting. I think that makes it all the more intense. Did you intend that experience for the readers? Yes, actually... Love novel is not the only, I mean, it, it, it's not the only text, book or play that I actually, I worked with the text in this way, in a way of sort of make, making it more intense, more dense, short, explosive. And not, so not so much as a story, but more like a state, like emotional state. And idea of, of this novel for me was some kind of continuous quarrel between two people. And, you know, when you start to quarrel, you sometimes repeat, you know, it goes up and down. It's it's like some kind of roller coaster. And on the other hand, I also, I had this sort of a rhythm in my head. And I wanted this novel to be like, like an album, like a musical album. So, you know, you cannot actually stretch it throughout the week or two weeks. You cannot read it this way. I mean, because it's like it's here. You must immerse into it and, you know, just finish it as, as quick as possible. And, and sometimes people would say, you know, I mean, I, I read it so quickly. Or sometimes they would say, I was reading it quickly, but I had to stop because it was too much. Yeah, I, I agree. It's it's very, very intense experience as a reader and the way the uh, the sort of point of view shifts between the two is kind of disorientating and kind of really interesting tactic, which made me curious about your writing process. It's written almost like dramatic monologues, and I know that your background is in the theatre, um, so I wondered if your kind of experience stage writing performing influenced your style at all. Yeah, yeah, absolutely it does. Because also I very often I write and I read sort of like in a, <laughs> interchanging these two procedures. And so, I mean, for me, the text is good when you can read it out loud and really believe in it, you know, that it has this flow that you can believe. Of course, if you're able to read good, but I mean, it has to have this flow. It has to be, it has to be loud. And, and this, I, mean, I suppose, love novel is very loud novel. And yeah. Yeah, re reading it, you get the impression that the characters shout a lot. 
Yeah, they do. They do. (laughs) (laughs) That comes across very. It's very sort of visceral, and the the language between them is is quite violent. Um, which which kind of made me think that the the title love novel is perhaps a little ironic. It seems to be a novel about what can happen sort of in the wake of love, people stuck in a situation rather than people in the swell of love. Uh, I guess the question is, uh, have you written an anti-love novel? Or despite all of the violence and the shouting, do your characters really love each other? Oh, they do. And this was a question that, I mean, I was asked this many times. And uh, and I really, I was I wanted to write about love. But in this terrible, precarious conditions, and two people who are really trying, you know, to grasp each other, to understand each other, to to embrace each other, but they are under such terrible pressure that they can't. This love novel is, it's a tragical title, much more than ironic, of course, that, I mean, this text is also, it has a, I know, I'm aware of this, and I wanted this, to have a sort of a layer of humor inside, the layer of sarcasm, and it has it. And so, of course, that love novel can be read through this sarcastic perspective, but it can also be read through tragic perspective. We have a couple with sort of like a third element in it, but it's not classical triangle because the third element is is this lack of money, lack of future, lack of perspective, lack of everything. And it is very typical for today. I mean, not only for, I don't know, Croatia, because like I'm coming from Croatia. Oh, yeah, people have problems there. Well, they have it everywhere. You know, we all live in a little rooms. We all hate each other sometimes because we cannot cope with everyday life with all this pressure. And actually with the fact that the lack of success, the lack of normality, tell us that we are actually maybe not good enough and this is what is happening to them that you know that they are not actually able to realize themselves as professionals as as individuals and then they bring this in a package home and then they you know they are just then then on their throats uh, instead of actually doing something else but of course then they would be like superheroes and and nobody is superhero today yeah it's really interesting hearing you talk about them like that because their their frustrations with their careers and their passions come through and their sort of dark cynicism about the world and each other and I think the only time they sort of express love is in their own heads and so it feels like it's a novel about a lack of communication between them because they're both very articulate people and yet they're not able to say what they really feel towards one another and I, I guess that sort of raises the tension I wonder if you could talk a bit about that yeah it was it it has this sort of like layers what somebody's thinking and what somebody's saying out loud and so it's it's always like it's it seems like that those emotions that are cramped inside of those bodies are not able to come out and so we have you know people thinking one thing and saying another thing and it, it also comes actually from something that I was working a lot in the theater uh, of course, it's easier to express this in a prose, in, in, in a novel. And, uh, yeah, I think it's uh, also the, um, the text about communication and, uh, you know, how, how we communicate, what are we allowed to say, how we are unable to be honest also, you know, and how we are scared and... Uh, and you know, and, and and I think that I mentioned that the the novel is like a CD, 
and if it would have a very cautious uh, listener, then this listener could actually feel that at the end of every song, meaning every chapter, there's sort of um, coming together always. There's always like some kind of everything just comes down. And then it's in, in some kind of very subtle uh, gestures or just little words that are actually able to come together. So it, it, it's always like this. It always starts like a volcano and ends up in, in this piano in, um, in some kind of silence. Yeah, I think um, the, the way you play with the layers of communication and the sort of gaps between what people think and what people say is really interesting, especially because the, the male character is potentially writing a book that's also called Love Novel. And so it's quite a kind of self-referential, kind of almost meta book. Um, and it's kind of quite funny in that sense. You're kind of um, criticising your own book written by your character during the novel. I wondered if it amused you writing that. Yes. And, you know, when I was when I was in my 20s, then I had the whole period of my life in which I was um, performing so-called uh, self-referential readings uh, because at, at, when, when I started, everybody was saying to me, oh, you know, what you write is actually not, not a, a theater play. And, I, and when I would write a prose, they would say, you know, this is not actually prose. It's like a theater. So, you know, I was always somewhere. And so I, I learned, I mean, I actually accepted so many criticism that I started to, to have this uh, self-referential point in everything I would ever do. And I noticed that also in every novel, I always have a part in which I say, and if I would write this love novel, I would do it completely differently because nobody is interested in this kind of books in which people do this and that and that and are not able to communicate and, you know, and they are so stuck in, 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 in the corner that actually they can't breathe and they, they, they can't even have sex anymore. But, I mean, at the end, yeah, people are interested in this because it's our destiny yeah the book is not exactly an advert for parenthood both characters struggle with their situation and each other and I wondered if writing it was cathartic at all was it fun to throw all of this emotion at the page yeah I mean it was I think that um, although it's it, it's far away of being biography but it had some points of that in, in which I could relate to, to their situation, of course, situation of being uh, a, a mom, an artist, and I mean, it's it's something that is, of course, relatable. Uh, so it, it has, at, at some points, at some levels, it had, um, for me, it was like an experience of trying to understand what is happening to me. Uh, I, I, was, I was writing something that I don't want this to happen to me <laughs> I don't want this to happen to me as a mother, as an artist I don't want to give up I don't want to accuse anybody for my misery and actually when, when, I, when I finished the book and it took me a long time because I was writing it while my, my son was very small and we were traveling all around so we changed few countries much more cities <laughs> many many flats and when when the book was finished, I felt that it's a really good book. It's a strong book. I mean, maybe if, even if somebody would not like it, everybody would feel it's it's a strong, <laughs> and or take it as a compliment or or not. But um, 
but I was I was I was very happy when when I was finished, and I thought that actually by finishing this book, I actually sort of uh, proved to myself that we are not going into this direction uh, of of the actually misery that is uh, described in the book, and. Even more, I was very happy, of course, when we got um, the prize uh, in, in, in Berlin for the book because it was, yeah, sort of like the exit from the tragedy uh, described in, in Love Novel. Yeah, it's definitely a strong book. <laughs> I think it's also very relatable. Uh, so Love Novel is the first book that we at B&Q Books have translated in a language other than German. You wrote it in Croatian. Are you excited for English readers to experience Love Novel too? I'm very excited. And I was super happy to read the translation. And I feel very comfortable reading the text. Yeah, and I mean, this is, this is my first translation into English, actually. Only a few plays were translated and always um, perform in some, on some off-off-off stages. So I'm very happy. I'm I'm so happy. And of course, I mean, for example, many of my works were translated into German, but as my German is really schlecht, it's really bad. And and so I cannot feel I cannot feel my work in that language, on that language. But in English I I can feel it. I can sort of like touch it with my hands. I, it's like a sculpture. And so I'm really I'm really happy for for this novel. And I would really recommend everybody to take it in their hands and touch it because it's beautiful translation so would we i think everyone should go and buy it it's going to be in all of the bookshops in the uk um i only have one question left actually and that is about the setting of the novel the, the location isn't stated explicitly but there are hints there's, there's mention of a recent war of local politics and uh, croatian liquor but there's nothing exactly to pinpoint where it is now it's, was that a conscious choice? Does it matter to you whether readers understand which country it's set in? Well, the conscious choice was not to overdo it. I didn't want to make it very local, too much local, because um, I thought that it's universal story, it's universal condition. But then, um, yeah, it was nevertheless, uh, I used some of the, yeah, the typical... Uh, uh, events that can be connected with Croatia, but but as I said, I, I didn't want to overdo it. I mean, usually, actually, in, in most of my novels, I, I, I use Croatia as some kind of half hidden uh, setting, but I try to make it, um, yeah, subtle, so so that it doesn't become, in in a way, like you know, like a touristic guide for uh, trauma. I don't want that. I think I think you've succeeded for sure. <laughs> okay, I um, would like to thank you, Ivana, for making time to talk with us today. Yeah, it's thank you for your questions. Yeah. <laughs> it's been such a treat to hear you read and hear you talk about your characters and your process. And I can't wait to see Love Novel in bookshops when I go home to London soon. And I'd like to remind all of our listeners once again that Love Novel is available to buy now. And you can find it at your favourite bookshop and on our website, vq-books.eu. Also watch out for more podcast episodes there or wherever you source your podcasts and look us up on social media. Our handle is vqbooks because you can't do an ampersand on social media. 
Many, many thanks again to Kate Ellis and of course Ivana Zaiko for the great conversation, which was really fun to sit in on. To our wonderful producer Susan Stone for recording, producing and editing. And to Andy Sire for our theme tune. For more love novel fun, tune in for our next episode, where we'll be joined by Ivana's translator Mima Simic. Thank you for listening and bis bald. This podcast was co-funded by the European Union's Creative Europe Scheme.